This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and this morning I'm talking with Jason Cherry, who is the founder of Siblings of Autism. And and Jason, good morning. Thank you for being on the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to ask you to just jump right in and give us a little backstory about yourself, uh, your family, and then kind of lead it into when and why you founded Siblings of Autism. Sure. So I am 22 years old. I'm the younger brother um, to Matthew Cherry. Um, Matthew uh, is my brother that was adopted from Russia and is on the autism spectrum. Um, He was adopted at age three. We have five-year difference between us. So I was brought up in a household um, not knowing anything else other than autism. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've had an eventful childhood, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of really hardships. And um, actually, at one point, we ran a campaign discussing the realities of autism. It was really cool to hear other siblings, you know, across the country that it really resonated with a lot of the stuff that I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, in all that, you know, I've, I've in my young 22 years, I'm a business owner. Um, I'm a former professional race car driver. Um, and my racing platform is really what kind of led me to establishing the siblings of autism. Well, uh, thank you for that background. Now I have to ask you a bunch of follow-up questions because that's yep. uh, that's quite a story. So, so you grew up in a household. Um, obviously, you were um, you always grew up with Matthew there with you. Um, and he was yep. about three, you said, when you were born? He was, you know, he was five when he was born, five. Uh, when I was born, three when he was adopted. So we have a five-year um, okay. difference. All right. I got you. Uh, thank you for the clarification. So, so you know... It- I've worked at Anderson Center for Autism for about 13 years, and actually, uh-huh. and before that, I've been a, an administrator and a teacher, and I've always kind of worked with children and families in some capacity. One of the things that struck me when I initially came to Anderson was that here we are running a program that serves people with autism. We have a tremendous amount of expertise um, because that's what we do. We don't serve the general special needs population. We serve people specifically diagnosed with autism. One of the things that it was almost impossible to find anywhere was support for siblings. That's exactly where this came about. So when I um, I spent two years professionally driving in the Pirelli World Challenge Series, um, this was true professional sports car racing. I cool. drove all over um, North America. I raced for Mazda in 2014 and Nissan in 2015. Very cool. um, my very first pro race weekend was at Barber Motorsports Park. It was a we were supporting series for IndyCar, which is um, a huge open wheel series out here. And I was performing really well that weekend. I was leading the race. It was, it was kind of funny. I was like. 17 years old at the time, wow. and I'm driving around the track leading this race, and I look up, and there's this, these massive big screens all over the track, and I look up, and I'm like, son of a gun, that's me on the screen right now, and then I had to kind of refocus and get back on track, and I left <laughs> Yeah, I would have driven off the track. That just would have, like, okay, I'm trying yeah. to relate. I'm trying to relate here, so you're, and, and how fast are you driving at this point? So, we were going well over 100. Generally, these yeah. tracks were averaging a 120, 130 speed, and upwards of 150 at some tracks. Wow. So, yeah, so, but but I left that whole experience. Experience. You know, there were 100,000 people at this, this race weekend, and I left knowing that I had a platform to do something bigger. And the go-to and the obvious thing for me was, was autism. You know, my mother had already been involved with the Autism Society of America. I had spoken at a few other different conferences with Matthew and kind of talked about my experience. And so I wanted to partner with them and raise autism awareness and then ultimately raise funds for autism um, and for the ASA. So we branded our car. I had a, a helmet that was donated and custom painted. It was covered in puzzle pieces. At the end of my race year, I actually auctioned it off at SEMA. 
The president of Mazda Motorsports, John Doonan, was actually the one that bought the, the helmet. All the proceeds went back to the ASA. And every race weekend when I would go to a track, I would reach out to one of the local affiliates ahead of time and set up, um, you know, for 100 to 200 kids on the spectrum to spend the race weekend under our paddock in the pits, um, you know, even do the announce start engine. And so I had this really, really great partnership growing with them, and, and that lasted for two years. And in that, that partnership and working with Scott Badesh, the CEO over there, you know, I, I wanted to, to start to support the siblings because, like you said, there is very little support. And the ASA does wonderful work for those on the spectrum. But one thing that is very true about them is them being such a large organization and so heavily involved with those on the spectrum, it was just not moving fast enough for, for the non-ASD support, and I wanted to see it move fast. I'm a fast-paced person. I mean, I was doing 150 yeah, miles an hour. Race car fast. There you go. I, I wanted everything to go fast, and so I decided that I was going to establish my own nonprofit and then ultimately revisit the ASA partnership um, and, and look to unite a national sibling committee that will ultimately serve as a, uh, a voice to be heard on Federal Hill. And so I established Siblings of Autism in, uh, I believe it was 2015. Um, the ASA was, uh, and when I say ASA, Autism Society of America, mm-hmm. um, they were serving as my fiscal agent while I was waiting to uh, be registered as a 501c3. Um, and we still continue, uh, you know, a great partnership with them. And so my first year, I decided I'm going to run this National Sibling Scholarship Competition where I'm going to ask siblings all over the country to submit some sort of content back. And I'm going to choose my top seven winners. And the first place winner is going to get a $10,000 grant. Second place is a $5,000 grant. And then five $1,000 grants. Mm-hmm. So my first year, I asked siblings to discuss the gifts of autism. So I got all these wonderful videos that were anywhere from five to 15 minutes long, you know, 15 minutes long um, from siblings all over the country. And it was awesome content to be listening to. And then the second year, I asked them to discuss the realities of autism, the hardships. You know, my childhood wasn't easy, particularly Matthew being older than me and hitting adolescence prior to me. There were a lot of scary times. And Mm -hmm. Matthew, there were a lot of violent times and self-harming times. And those were the realities. And a lot of individuals that that, that do not have autism in the family don't understand it. And so I wanted to bring light to that. And me being a smaller organization, I had the capacity to be able to do that stuff instead of tiptoe around these different topics. I wanted to hit it right on the head. And then this past year, I ran a competition that was hashtag autism is, and I asked siblings to submit a, a photo um, paired with one powerful sentence as to what autism is to them. This fourth year, um, we're going to be you know, running another one. Um, my goal all along as I've been compiling this content is to put it into one resource, whether it be a book, an ebook. Um, whatever that may be that's still decided. But this year I am asking siblings to design the uh, front cover to this book that we'll be compiling. You know, we have all this great content. We have, you know, quotes as to the gifts of autism, the realities of autism, what autism is, and I'd like to see all this, you know, tie together in the form of a book. Mm-hmm. So we actually launched that competition tomorrow. So it's very timely that you and I are on the phone. Cool. It will run through the end of August. And again, um, you know, we will be uh, choosing our first place winner to receive a $10,000 grant that will um, can be used for educational purposes, respite funds, summer camp. Um, so we encourage all ages uh, to participate. And we are also able to hold on to the funds um, for many individuals that may not be, you know, entering college for a couple of years. That is fantastic. I, I, I it all is fantastic. Um, what a creative way to uh, to help siblings kind of, you know, reach their own goals and also feel like they have something to offer. That is what really always struck me was that, you know, there was support for for families overall. There was support, not enough really for anybody because, you know, uh, what we talk about is, you know, the whole family lives with autism. It's not like you said when you when we were first talking today. 
that you, you grew up with, grew up with autism. You always had autism in, in your life. It was always there yeah. and, and in your family. And it's not something that one individual sort of struggles with and, and deals with and everyone else just goes about and has their day. It's things at, at Anderson. I've met families who, who um, uh, through a, through a, an initiative that we do, which is an autism supportive environment where we come in and we help train businesses to be more autism, you know, uh, welcoming and friendly and to have things like at a restaurant visual menus and the opportunity for lower lighting and you know certain different seating times or a or room to go kind of relax in if, if somebody's having getting overstimulated I met a family who there was a young girl his brother this young uh, young man's brother or sister who all she wanted for her birthday was to go out to dinner with her family and when we yep. asked her why she said because I've never done that and she was like, you know, 13. It's, it's, the, it's that kind of stuff, the things that so many of us take for granted, uh, that there was just n- nobody was talking about it. And, and nobody was recognizing that there's a special kind of support. Um, but also what I love that you're doing is you're kind of recognizing there's also a unique perspective and unique offerings that somebody, that really only somebody who's grown up with a sibling on the spectrum has. It's different than Absolutely. being the parent of somebody on the spectrum. Yes, and, and I firmly believe that my generation, these siblings, will be the strongest voice that has ever been heard on a national level. Absolutely. When when you look at the, you know, autism and, um, you know, how people have viewed it, it, it's really my parents were the first generation to start to view it beyond, you know, the silly kid in class and really recognize what autism is and what it means to people. And and those, and my my parents were the first ones to really start to advocate and parents all over the country were the ones that um, start to advocate for different rights. I think that our generation, the millennials in particular, that are coming up with these social media platforms and these connectivity and geospatial apps and ability for all of us to stay connected will truly be the strongest voice um, that has ever been heard um, to advocate on some of these federal policies. Absolutely. I mean, we know already that that you know people, uh, providers, care providers, and and professionals and executives in organizations they can advocate that you know we get our message across. But it really comes down to the families. And I agree with you. I've seen uh, parents uh, and grandparents uh, go up uh, to Albany in New York State and and you know advocate uh, at the federal level. Sometimes some of them from Anderson have been able to go down to Washington and 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 have their voices heard there. But there is definitely a new kind of fresh uh, and very strong voice among our younger uh, millennial age siblings. And I'm excited that you found a way to really unite. Um, curious, we, we just have about a minute before we take a quick break. In your in your first couple of years of doing this, what has, just give me a number if you can, you know, of, of about how many submissions you're getting. Did it overwhelm you? It absolutely overwhelmed me. I mean, several hundred videos, um, which is actually why we revisited to then uh, select these, uh, the photo and um, sentence pairings, because we were receiving a couple hundred videos ranging anywhere from 5, 15, 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of content to view, and it's great content. I mean, really heartfelt, thorough content. But it's overwhelming outside of the so the siblings of autism. I personally fund all of the grants. And so I run um, a business full-time with three locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very overwhelming when I'm a team of one over here to be going through all these videos and, and stay ahead of it. Right. Um, so we're getting we're getting a little bit more creative with the content that we're asking for. It's still equally as valuable and it's going to have a really great purpose as we compile it. But we're trying to get a little bit more strategic as to how we're, how we're asking. But tons and tons of submissions. And, and we're expecting this year to be the strongest year yet. Absolutely. I, I hope so. We're going to take a quick break and come back and learn more about that business and how people can support and and future plans. This is One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. 
For the one in 59 diagnosed with autism, there are certainly challenges, but experiencing the highest quality of life possible should not be one of them. Here at Anderson Center for Autism, we've spent the better part of the last century helping people enjoy productive, rewarding lives and helping families enjoy peace of mind. We use evidence-based practices in our classrooms, residences, vocational training programs, and out in the community. For all of us at Anderson, every moment is a teaching moment. And at the heart of every moment, every milestone, and every breakthrough is a human-to-human connection, the kind of connection that nurtures and motivates. As we work to optimize the quality of life for people with autism, we know that the quality of life of our residents and students is directly linked to the quality of their relationships. When they realize just how much the people around them care and believe in their potential, that's when the doors open wide to a bright future ahead. At Anderson, we love opening those doors. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. Welcome back to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and today I'm talking with Jason Cherry, who is the founder of Siblings of Autism. Uh, he's also a sibling of a uh, of a young man who's on the autism spectrum and uh, former race car driver, which I didn't know, um, and I should have done a little more research, but that is a very cool aspect of uh, of when you kind of had this epiphany to do this. And, um, and now we're going to talk about some of the businesses that you do run that helps support siblings of autism and the work you're doing there. So so what do you do when you're not uh, reviewing all these submissions and, and getting ready for the next campaign? Sure, absolutely. So I, I decided to trans- transition out of racing in 2015. Um, and in that period, one thing that I learned about myself while working for a big corporate group is that I loved working for myself. I mean, that's essentially what I was doing as a race car driver, drumming up all the PR. Um, my family and I had gone down to an escape room in D.C. when the concept was relatively new to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, we, didn't, we didn't get anywhere in the room, but we had a ball. And my dad's one kind of claim to glory is we, we were driving home, and he says, I wonder why there's not one of these in Annapolis. And it was kind of a light bulb moment. And so I had no prior knowledge of the escape room industry. I just knew I wanted to work for myself, and I shot for the SARS. Um, so I opened my first location in 2016 in Annapolis. Um, a little a, a little bit more side history on me. Um, a month into opening my first location at 19, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Um, so I had to go through five rounds of chemotherapy and some radiation. It was definitely not in the business plans. No. Um, but one, th- one thing that I do actually um, very often mention is that the treatments were easy after going through you know, all of what we went through as a household with Matthew. Mm. Um, and that's one thing that I also encourage siblings because as they're going through all these different hardships, they just need to know that it is molding them into somebody that's going to be a force to be reckoned with one day and a very successful individual. And success can obviously be defined in many ways. Um, and that's just something that I, that I really try to encourage um, and, and a message I try to get out to other siblings that, um, you know, are, are, are currently in the position that I was in when I was 10 years old and, and you know, um, you know, scared of my brother um, and horrified by some of the events. So nonetheless, mm-hmm. but back to the business. So I established my first escape room in uh, 2016. I've since then opened uh, three in the Maryland area, um, soon to be four, um, the company's Mission Escape Rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also doing some other business uh, ventures in D.C. Mm-hmm. for uh, bars and restaurants. So just very much a businessman. Um, I use these different platforms in my businesses to fund the scholarships. And as I continue to um, you know, find more and more success, 
um, you know, all of those funds will continue to, to be able to support this platform, Siblings of Autism, and the scholarships that I'm awarding. All right, great. A lot of good stuff there. So let's let's uh, break it down a little bit. So first of all, it's it's Mission Escape Room. Do you have a website you want to throw out there for people to get more information? Sure, missionescaperooms.com. Okay, missionescaperooms.com. And uh, and I just want to point out, because one of my jobs at Anderson is to, is to uh, run all of our fundraising, that um, you mentioned before that you're a one-man show when it comes to uh, siblings of autism and giving out these, these scholarships. I am. I, I, I like saying yes to a lot of things. And <laughs> I, and I sometimes find myself buried, but I love doing good work. Yeah, and and I and you just said one of my favorite phrases, which is just say yes. I I, I write emails to uh, you know the nine hundred employees at Anderson, and and often my theme is you know this is what can happen when you say yes. I myself have experienced uh, some really great career growth and opportunities over the years by being a little mm-hmm. afraid and not sure what the outcome is going to be, but saying yes anyway, and then seeing what happens. So I I think that's great. I just want to point out for our listeners that uh, to make it really clear that if you are into escape rooms or even if you're not yet and you think it might be a cool thing to try um, and you're in that area or can get to that area, that's a way that you can support this, uh, this initiative. Um, so I, um, now, now I want to get into the details of the escape room. I have never tried one. Um, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, is it fun? Is it scary? Is it just scary enough that it's really fun? So how would you give me your pitch? Like what, you know, what, who should go and, uh, and what are you going to get out of it? Sure. So absolutely everyone should come. Um, mm-hmm. We are an interactive um, form of entertainment. Um, they're globally recognized as an escape room. There's you know, over 2,000 of them that have opened up in the U.S. Um, and I just have the three. We're the largest in the Maryland area. Cool. Um, so the concept is you come in, you get locked into a theme-based room. We give you guys a storyline and a starting point. And then you're working with your team, family members, coworkers, to solve clues, riddles, puzzles. And we have a lot of interactive props. So you might move something in one area that might unlock a trap door to go into another area. Um, so it's racing against the clock. Um, it's kind of like a real-life game of Clue, and you're solving this mystery. Um, you know, we've seen families, you know, as young as 8-year-olds all the way up to 80, and sometimes all three generations at the same time. Um, we see a lot of, uh, you know, corporate team outings. And we have had some on the autism spectrum or, um, you know, with others with uh, other disabilities. We've been able to modify our rooms to really um, suit so all individuals can um, participate. And I'm always happy to do that stuff. People just have to reach out directly. Cool. So um, my my like vision of this, and it's probably wrong, is that you're like in the dark, and there's sort of a fear factor element. But it, but you're talking more about sort of almost like what I remember from the '80s, like the outward bound experiences, where these are really sort of a challenge is put in front of you, and you are absolutely forced, if you're going to be successful, to find a way to work together. That is correct. And and while we do build more creepy or kind of eerie rooms, um, we are not a scary company. There are some escape rooms that really kind of uh, build a brand off of that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, we want everyone to be able to come in. So we have rooms like Candy Island, which has been on Candyland, and that's something that's a really fun concept that a lot of kids love to come through. And then yeah. stories that tie into the Hansel and Gretel. And then some more... Um, you know, the generic ones like Murder Mystery Train, which is like kind of like Murder on the Orient Express. And so Ooh, we, we cater yeah. to all different ends. Um, and I think if you were to look at our website and our rooms, we have 11 rooms company-wide. Um, you know, we really try to hit all different, you know, venues and, and aspects of it. So we have a theme for everyone. And on top of it, one thing that's really unique to us, we build all of our props and rooms in-house. Um, so we actually build a new room every four to five weeks, which other locations will let their rooms run, you know, for several years. 
Um, so that's been very important in our business model um, and having a, lot, a strong local presence and giving really exceptional experiences um, for locals and tourists to come through. Very, very cool. Um, and just one last question on the logistics. How much time usually is on the clock for one of these? It's 50 minutes, 5-0, 50 minutes to escape. It's about an hour by the time we brief and debrief you. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. Well, check out missionescaperooms.com for more information on that. That sounds really fun. Uh, Especially, you know, if you're even if you're heading into the area just on a vacation, sounds like a cool thing to stop by and do. Another thing that is that is uh, a big topic in the uh, autism field is employment. Do you have any plans or have you ever had the opportunity to employ somebody on the spectrum, maybe on the higher functioning end of the spectrum um, in your business? Or is that something that you might look to do in the future? That is something that we've looked to do. Um, I have had an individual that we used um, here and there um, that was employed somewhere else, and he helped a little bit on the um, workshop end of things. And then I also have somebody um, that is higher functioning but too young to employ, Mm -hmm. nine or ten years old. Um, His father approached me, and so we have him come in on on Saturdays and help out for a few hours. Um, And and Davis is a pleasure to be around and and all my staff. And it's giving him an opportunity to also engage with those from the public. So there's a lot of learning that can come from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Funny enough, though, this is really cool. So I actually was just reading an article this morning. There's a coffee shop coming to Annapolis um, that employs um, those on the spectrum. And they've built this whole brand around it. So that's really fun. So there are some other local businesses in the area. And we'll obviously be partnering up with them and wanting to support them in in their new venture. That's really cool. And I and you never know. I mean, this young man, you said Davis is his name? Davis, yeah. Yeah, so maybe Davis is in, you know, in a few years when he is of age to uh, to be employed, he's gaining some significant oh, work skills and, and job skills. Well, it's it's a huge uh, issue in, in our country and probably many others right now, as I'm sure you know, that uh, yep. there are a lot of people on the spectrum who are more than capable of doing a lot of different things and more than interested in doing a lot of different things, but are not always given uh, sort of a fair shake. So I think it's really cool that you said yes, again, going back to that theme, to his dad about just letting him come and sort of hang out and learn the ropes and, and experience it. Um, Jason, I, I have absolutely loved this conversation. I think it's uh, what you're doing through Siblings of Autism is really great. Is there a website uh, for specifically for Siblings of Autism that you'd like to share? There is. It's siblingsofautism.org. All right. And that's where people can kind of maybe can people view some of the submissions and, and learn about some of the former winners over the years? Is that all up there? Yep, it is. It is. Um, they can also look at other video submissions. Um, there's a YouTube link on our website that will click over to all the different video submissions. Um, ties to our social media. They can really access a lot of great information on this website. And we will have our um, 2019 competition posted tomorrow. So they'll be able to read more about that and see how they can get involved. Very cool. So check out siblingsofautism.org. I want to share a quick story with you because it's so um, pertinent. We have a young lady, she's a freshman in high school, um, who's got a brother at Anderson. And she, a couple of years ago, approached us when she was in seventh grade, um, wanting to do a pajama day uh, to raise money for Anderson because, um, and she's actually been on this radio show. She was uh, interviewed just uh, uh, the other week. And she um, she was interviewed on CBS News Radio. Like she, she's, uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. To use your phrase, before she is a person who has raised several thousand dollars now uh, for Anderson to be able to continue doing some of the programming that she especially feels for that her brother benefits from. And to hear her talk about Riley, who's her her brother, just brings you to sort of silent awe because a she was so young when she started. It was completely her idea. She's created video content talking about 
about why she did what she did. And she is now inspired beyond her school district. She's now reached schools all throughout Long Island, as well as uh, the Hudson Valley, where Anderson is located, um, to uh, get involved in the Pajama Day um, event. And it raises awareness and, of, of course, funds, but but a lot of awareness. And I think um, one of the reasons I'm so excited about what you're doing is because as a former educator myself, the idea that that young people are both giving an being given an opportunity to see their own impact, um, while also, like you said, maybe not immediately recognizing, but over the long term, they will realize that these experiences are helping to shape them into who they're going to be as adults is just fantastic and so needed. So thank you for finding a way to address that. It's really great. Absolutely. Yep. No, I'm my, my mom. And I know that you mentioned earlier that you've interviewed her in the past. Yes. Um, obviously, I, I need to give give my parents all the credit because, you know, she's always taught me that the Lord will take care of me and to just always do do what's good. Well, awesome. I love that. And and so, again, visit mission, uh, missionescaperooms.com to learn more about your business and how you can support that. And also siblingsofautism.org. And Jason Cherry, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 